0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Hola. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Jarrett Gallardo, and I have the amazing opportunity to present the word to you this morning. And uh, we are in week two of our foretold series, and. Chris set up the series last week, and he talked about the wise king, the almighty king, the eternal king. And so Chris did an amazing job, and we're going to, with that same focus, we're going to be looking at scripture from Isaiah, and then how Jesus Christ fulfilled prophecies in Isaiah, and how New Testament authors are quoting Isaiah to see how Jesus was foretold back in the Old Testament. So that's what we're going to be doing today as well. And the direction for today's message is we're looking at Christ, the ultimate servant who exemplifies divine humility in a world that's filled with pride, that's filled with hate, injustice, and disunity. But as we look at Jesus, we're going to reflect his life and our life you know we call ourselves christians we're christ's disciples christ's followers and so in that the direction for today is to look at jesus and make him our aim for um for servanthood and being a humble servant but before i talk anymore i know we do a lot of praying at this church and that's amazing we're going to continue to pray so if you would join with me father god we just thank you so much for this opportunity to hear your message God, would you ready the hearts of all who hear this morning? Father, whatever happened this past week, we leave it at the altar right now, and we come to you with expectant hearts, God. Would you break change this morning, and would you have our attention for the next few minutes, God? I decrease so you and your word increase. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, Amen, guys. So. The, the direction I already told you, we're putting Christ up here, and that's where we're going. And so the problem is, this, what we do around this time of the year is we kind of remember, oh, Resurrection Sunday, but we're going to be speaking over the next few weeks in this series called Foretold, and we're going to be looking at how Jesus foretold those prophecies. They were, they were foretelling of who he is. And the problem is, a lot of times, we, we don't really relate or connect to the life of Christ. But hopefully at the end of this series, we're going to see two things. That one, Jesus' life was not an afterthought, but it was in God's perfect plan the whole time. And then number two, we're going to be looking at the life of Christ and pulling out um, nuggets from his life and relate it to our own. So I'm going to be primarily in two books this whole morning, Isaiah 42, and then a New Testament book, Matthew chapter 12. So before we turn to Isaiah 42, it's a little bit about the prophet Isaiah in the book Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah was the one who wrote the book. There seems to be a lot of, uh, if you write a book, then you either name it after yourself or the people that you're delivering the message to. So Isaiah wrote Isaiah, and um, he wrote about such topics as God, the Holy One of Israel, having confidence in God, the tendency for man to trust false gods, And then Isaiah frequently alludes to a future anointed king. And that's who we're going to talk about this morning, is that future anointed king, Jesus. The book was written around 740 B.C. to 680 B.C. to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And again, we're in here in this foretold series because your and my sin and the sacrifice that Jesus made was not an afterthought. As we can get, get that in our heads, that Jesus, the plan of Christ, was not an afterthought. So we'll be in the book of Isaiah for most of today. And uh, I've titled today's message, The Humble Servant. The Humble Servant. And again, we're painting the picture of who Jesus was, and, and we're, we're putting him up here. So if we can now just put, picture Christ as we talk about who the humble servant is and the qualities that we see in Isaiah 42 and in Matthew chapter 12. Comprende? You guys ready? All right, let's go. Isaiah 42. If you could turn your books or uh, your Bibles or your electronic device, it's also going to be on the screen. Isaiah 42, 1 to 4. It says, this is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick, but he will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he's established justice on earth. The islands will wait for his instruction. And then I'm going to talk about Matthew 12. So turn to Matthew 12. I'm going to talk about who Matthew is in this book. Um, Matthew was one of the 12 disciples. And um, he was a tax collector. He wrote his gospel to the Greek speaking Jewish Christians. And it was written around 50 to 70 AD. And in chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, what we're going to see is that Jesus was caught doing things on the Sabbath. He was caught picking grain for his disciples so that they could eat. And then he was also caught healing a withered hand from this man. And the Pharisees were freaking out. They were like, What is this guy doing? He's picking grain. He's healing this man. And so this is where we pick up now in Matthew chapter 12. So let's read that. Matthew 12, 15 to 21. When Jesus became aware of this, about the Pharisees freaking out, um, when Jesus became aware of this, he withdrew from there. But huge crowds followed him, and he healed them all. 16, he warned them not to make him known, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout, and no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick. Until he has led justice to victory, the nations will put their hope in his name. And I'm going to pause real quick and go back to um, Matthew 12, 16, because this was like a mini stumbling block for me. But Matthew 12, 16 says that Jesus warned them not to make him known. And I was like, what? What do you mean They warned him not to make him known? So in case you were wondering like I was, verse 16, Jesus is seeking to avoid of his healings function like publicity stunts. He didn't want people to follow him only because of the healing, so he didn't want it to be like a publicity stunt. That's why verse 16 is there, in case you were like, what do you mean he doesn't want us to make him known? It was in that context. So, point number one. Again, this message is titled, The Humble Servant. So, the humble servant is spirit-led. The humble servant is spirit-led. Let's look at Isaiah 42.1. It says, this is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. So in royal terminology in the ancient Near East, that term servant, it's equated to confidential representative. Confidential representative. And that idea is not so much that, so much that God the Father is um, lording over the servant and kind of making him his puppet, but it's that, that he would be sent out to represent the Father, that he would be sent out, that he's a confidential representative. And so synonyms for confidential are are, uh, private, close, and intimate. So think about that. Jesus, the humble servant, was private, close, and intimate to the Father. They were one. And he was going to be sent out to do mission for God the Father. And so as we're looking at Jesus Christ, again, I said we're Christians. You know, we call ourselves Christians. We are Christ-like. We are his disciples. We're putting him up here, and we're kind of using Christ as a mirror for our lives. How are we doing? Are we spirit-led? And so that's what we're going to get into as well. But God's spirit, turning to that now, it's the Lord's personal presence, his personal presence in action that does what? It empowers the servant for leadership. And so when we think about that, we think about those New Testament verses that we know in Acts 1.8. What does Acts 1.8 say? It says, but you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come on you, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then we see New Testament verses like John 16.13 that says that when the Spirit of truth comes, that he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own but he will speak whatever he hears so he's speaking from the father and he will also declare to you what is to come so the humble servant is spirit led and we see these new testament verses about how the holy spirit guides us and empowers us for his service and to be on mission for him so i'm going to tell a little story about um, when liz and i we lived in san antonio and I was, I was practicing this, being spirit-led. I was in a class in seminary, and um, the class was called evangelism. And so in this class, we were talking about servanthood evangelism. How do we evangelize by being a servant to someone? And so I'm really, like, keen to trying to listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. And then it's, like, 10 o'clock at night on a school night, and I'm like, babe, I think I need to go to the grocery store. So is there a picture? There. This is the H-E-B. If you ever heard of H-E-B, it's a common grocery store. If you've been to Piggly Wiggly's, Cars, Safeway, Fred Meyer, the commissary, Payless, they all look like this with food on the shelves. So I'm, I go here. Liz prays over me before I go. Okay, Jesus, lead him. Holy Spirit, would you guide Jarrett? So I'm going to the store. I get in the store. I don't even have anything on my grocery list. I don't know if I have a basket or a cart. But there's, I just pick one up just to not look awkward going in a store late at night. And so I'm going around the aisles, and I'm like talking to myself, okay, God, I, I, I'm sensing that you're telling me to come here, but who am I supposed to talk to, and where, who is, who is this person, and I see this, this woman with this little baby, and like we connect eyes, and I'm like, okay, is, is that the one, God, is, is it the one with the baby, and then I, I'm going down the aisle, and then I see her again, and she probably sees my basket, like he doesn't even have any food in his basket, what is this guy doing, he's talking to himself, he's crazy. And so I'm I'm going, and I'm like, okay, God, I don't know if that's the one. And then at 10 o'clock at night, if you've been to a grocery store, there's usually not too many people at the grocery store. So I'm not seeing a lot of activity at the grocery store at 10 o'clock at night. So then I'm starting to doubt myself. Okay, God, I'm trying to be spirit-led, right? Am, uh, Am I hearing your voice, or am I just saying, go to the grocery store? So I don't, at this point, I'm starting to doubt myself. And I'm like, God, man, what is going on? So I make my way to the front of the store with my little basket, and I see this young man at the counter, and I'm like, I think this is a guy, so I I walk up to the young man, and he's already, like, about to pay for his stuff, I say, hey, man, uh, my name is Jarrett. I'm a Christian, can I, uh," and I don't know if I'm supposed to come here to heal somebody, to pray for them, I said, can I, uh, can I pay for your groceries, and then he was like, are you for real, and I was like, yeah, I'm for real, and so he was like, okay, sure, so I pay for his groceries, and it wasn't even a lot, it was like, 30 to 50 bucks, something, not even a lot of money. And, um, and so we were small talking at the cash register, and then I say, hey, man, can I walk out with you? Um, I really don't even, I didn't even come here. To, there's nothing in my basket. And he's like, sure. And so we walk out, and I said, you know, wh- where do you live? And he's like, I live in this city, Universal City. It's a suburb of San Antonio, and um, I live with my mom and dad. I live with my sister, and they sent me here to get these essentials because this is the only money we had the only money we had and they sent me here to buy these things it was like milk cheese tortillas beans it was like he wasn't buying like soda and and, you know stuff it was he was buying the essentials and I was like God I was like are you kidding me and he was like no I'm serious and I was like man this is confirmation like this is what I came here to do was 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 this and so before we parted ways I said man can I pray with you and he said yes so I prayed with him and told him about the church I attended and and that was that. We parted ways. I went back home, and I told Liz, like, hey, I got to pay for this guy's groceries, and he's telling her the crazy story about me in the beginning. And so, um, and so that was me practicing being spirit-led, just listening to God's promptings and then going out and obeying. And so that's what we need to do. When we return to that passage in Isaiah 42, 1, that God's spirit was on the servant and that he's put his spirit on him, what did he do? He put his spirit on him to bring justice to the nations. Now we're switching gears a little bit. Bring justice to the nations. And in three simple words, what does justice mean? It means to make right, to make right. And in this instance, it's the Hebrew noun mishpat, meaning judgment or the measure of the law, that justice happens how? Through the institution of the gospel or the institution of the good news of Jesus that he came to make wrong things right. And so the servant is performing the task to do what here in Isaiah 42? To bring justice to the nations. And so that means that Christ brings the measure of the law and that he offers good news to Jews and to Gentiles worldwide. Do we have any Jewish believers in the house? I'm just wondering. Okay, cool. Then we're all Gentiles. And Jesus came not only for the Jewish folks, but for the Gentile folks. Whether we're big, yellow, red, black, white, fat, old, young, skinny, it doesn't matter. Jesus came for everybody, right? Amen. And so, and so when we think about this, when we think about that the, the servant came to be spirit-led, to bring justice to the nations, we apply that. We're applying Jesus as our focus point, right? Then we are to bring the gospel to the nations, guys. That's what... That's what Jesus did, and that's what we're doing as well. So that was point number one, that the humble servant, Christ, is spirit-led. Point number two, the humble servant is gentle. You can look at Isaiah 42, 2 and 3. It says, he will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. Verse 3 says that he will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick, but he will faithfully bring justice. So verse 2, we're looking, we're thinking about the life of Christ now. Verse 2, look at that. So he will not shout or make his voice heard in the streets. This is pointing to how the humble servant, Jesus Christ, he went on his earthly mission humbly and quietly. He didn't make a scene. I mean, when we think about it, he even carried his own torture device through the streets as he was going to Calvary. And that blows my mind. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Like, Here is God carrying his own torture device through the streets, but he's doing it humbly and quietly. He's gentle. And then we think back to when he was arrested. You know, Peter put the sword out and was like, "What the?" and then the guy's ear, I don't know if it fell all the way off or if it's lying there on the ground, and Jesus is like, Peter, put away your sword. And then he, I don't know if he picks up the guy's ear, but I could just imagine this dirty ear. I don't know if you've ever seen like a severed limb, but I don't know if he picks it up out of the ground and he just like, and then he like heals the guy's ear. And the guy who came to arrest him in the posse, they're probably like, dude, this guy just picked his dirty ear and now his ear is whole again. What the heck? This, who are we arresting? And so he didn't go with a shout. He didn't go making a fuss. He didn't try to fight nobody. He said, all right. So he went humbly and gently without making noise. And so that's verse 2. In verse 3 of Isaiah 42, 3 we see that this verse is showing us that the servant is not going to oppress those who are already beaten down. We see a bruised reed, and we see a smoldering wick, and we're going to talk about that. Are you wondering what that is? I'm glad you asked. What is that? This is a picture of a bruised reed. A reed is a type of grass that mainly grows in wetland areas, and this is, um, if you can see the picture, the stalk of that grass is bent. bent. And Jesus did not come to bend that stalk even more, or to kick that person while they were down. But He came to nurture that person back. And when we see the next picture, this is a candle's wick. Isaiah 42:3 said that He didn't come to to, um, uh, to snuff the smoldering wick. So we see that see that picture right there. There's that little bit of glowing ember left. Jesus didn't come to. Uh, and he didn't come to do that. But he came to nurture that candle back into existence. So we're going to apply this right now. Remember, Jesus is the aim of what we're talking about this morning. And so if Jesus is the aim, we're examining our own lives, right? Okay, so let's take a hypothetical woman in our church with a black eye. And if we're not modeling humble servanthood and being gentle, then that woman is not going to want to tell others about her issues in her home. Because she's going to be feared, she's feared what? That she's going to be made the talk of the life group, that she's going to be made fun of. That's if we're not modeling humble servanthood that Jesus is modeling. And that is not, I tell you guys, that is not the environment that we're fostering here. We are creating leaders and disciples who are creating an environment of, of inclusion that's going to take that woman with that, who has that bruised reed, that black eye, and we're going to say, man, what's wrong? How can I help you? How can I, sis, what's going on, and we're going to create an environment that is loving for this woman and fostering growth in this woman, and even to her husband and to her children, but we're creating not an environment that is like, oh, they got marital problems, like, no, like, we are walking side by side this woman, and we are, we are, what we're doing, I know this isn't a piece of grass, but it's a tree, and what we're doing is we're staking in the ground support systems, and it's being anchored to this tree. And then look, there's new soil there. So we're not allowing her to be in the same soil, but we're, we're putting fertilizer, we're putting new soil, we're making sure her roots are good. We talked about biblical foundations. We're giving her biblical foundations. And then we're reaching out to her husband, and we had a support system there. And then what else are we doing? We're spraying fertilizer and pesticide all over that bad boy so that Satan and the works of the enemy don't come back into this family, but that we're supporting them. That's the kind of environment we're creating here. That's the kind of environment we see through Jesus in Isaiah 42. And if you see this other picture, let's take a hypothetical man in our church who is struggling with a meth addiction. What are we doing? If we're not fostering an um, um, a, uh, attitude where we're gentle, then what we're doing is it serves that guy right. You know, I already know drugs are bad. He shouldn't be messing around with that meth. And, but no, that's not what we need to be doing. Or, or when we're trying to, like, take attendance, I know this man, he's been gone for, like, 9.5 Sundays. I saw him leave uh, halfway through that other service, so and it only counts, like, half. Like, that is not what we're doing, guys. We are creating an environment that says, bro, you have that meth addiction? Like, tell me about that. I'm like, what's going on? How can I help you get up, bro? Get up, and how can I support you? What do you need to succeed? And this is the type of environment that we're creating so that we're not and putting out that last remaining ember that he has. But what we're doing is we're sheltering that little bit of ember that he has and we're protecting it from the wind. You know when you have a birthday candle and it's windy and you're trying to protect it? That's what we're doing. In this case, we're protecting that man from the wind. We're protecting him from people talking about him and his family. We're not kicking him when he's down, but we're lifting him up and we're fanning his flame so that he is a bright burning candle again. And that's what this is talking about, saying that the humble servant is not going to come and snuff out a smoldering wick. You guys getting this? All right. Um, So that was the hypothetical man. And this is leading me to point number three. Point number three. Point number two is that the humble servant was what? Was gentle. So point number three is that the humble servant is patient. The humble servant is patient. Let's look at Isaiah 42.4. Isaiah 42.4 says that he will not grow weak or be discouraged until he's established justice on earth. The islands will wait for his instruction. And so in that verse prior, in Isaiah 42.3, it talked about what the bruised reed and the smoldering wick, and we see those same themes of that bruised uh, reed growing weak and we see the smoldering wick, we see that theme of it being discouraged. But here, instead of of it being discouraged, we see that in Isaiah 42, 4, it says that he, the humble servant, will not grow weak or be discouraged. He will not grow weak. And because we know that who the God-man is, the God-man, Jesus, the humble servant, what did he do? He lowered himself... From his earthly throne, and he put on a shirt, and he put on a shell, and that shell was in the form of you and I of a human being. So we have God now in the form of a flesh walking the earth, and he put himself right smack dab in the middle of the same circumstances that we face, in the same hardships and in the same trials. yet he did not what? He did not grow weak, and he was not weary or discouraged. Why? I'm glad you asked why. (laughs) All right, why? Well, I'm submitting to you that the reason why is because the humble servant had the end purpose in sight. The humble servant had the end purpose in sight. Look at the end of that verse. He will not grow weary or be discouraged until he's established justice on earth. And we kind of talked about what justice was, right? We said that it was to be made right. And so if the humble servant has the end purpose in sight, And this is why he was patient, because he knew that justice was going to be established, because he knew that wrong would be made right through what? Through the gospel, and that he knew that in the end his kingdom would prevail. So he already knew the end in sight. That's why Jesus is on mission, not growing weary, not being discouraged, guys. And so if we have the end purpose in sight, the same thing for us. You know, when we read in Matthew about the Messianic King Jesus, and we see that we're beginning to see that, man, truly the humble servant's mission was not an afterthought. This was not God's plan B, but this was what was planned since the beginning. Jesus was not an afterthought, guys, and that he was fulfilling scripture that was foretold about him in Isaiah, and then... To flesh out that term justice even more, we've seen it all throughout Isaiah 42 justice, justice. To flesh it out even more, here it signifies not religious um, or legal practices, but it is the rule, the rule of Yahweh on earth. And this concept of justice, we talked about to be made right, it's associated with other themes in the Bible like God's holiness and God's righteousness or how justice seeks lawful equality without respect to persons. And I like that, that justice seeks lawful equality without respect to persons. It doesn't matter your social, economic status. It doesn't matter your job. It doesn't matter your position in government. Justice is not, does not regard, it has no respect of persons. And so we see that with God Um, thinking about his mission that we know that he is patient because he did not get discouraged and he did not grow weary. And so this brings us, this brings me to think about verses like 2 Peter 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9 says that the Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. When I think about this verse, I think about people. They say, "Man, Christianity—it's so it's so exclusive," and they're right in some sense. Yes, Christianity exclusive because the exclusive truth is that Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. So, in a way, it is exclusive. But it is so very inclusive. When we see verses like this, Second Peter three nine. Look at the end. That that um, God does not want any to perish but all to come to repentance. So Christianity, Jesus, is so inclusive because he died for the world. He died for the Jew and the Gentile. He doesn't want anybody to perish, and that makes me happy because he died for me too. And so we're looking at verse Isaiah 42:4 and we see that word islands. I don't know if you guys got excited when you saw that word islands, but I did. And so that word islands in some of your Bibles, it might be translated as coastlands, and uh, it refers to distant nations, distant nations. And it's the Hebrew noun e, 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 e. And so um, the Hebrew noun e, and it is Isaiah's way of referring to distant nations. And I love how we can relate our own Uh, Mission here of Life in the Sun to this verse. It's so cool when we can relate. Man, this is what we're doing here. This is so relatable and it's so amazing. So what is our mission? To honor God and to make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. We heard it in the announcements. Nicole brought it up again and I'm bringing it up now. If you don't know what the mission here at Life in the Sun, man, get to know the mission so that you can run with the mission in your own life, in your own home, and as you're serving here at church. But it's so awesome when we see that 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 Isaiah 42 islands. I was like, yeah, man, this is what we're doing. We're going to the distant nations. Our mission is to go to Micronesia and beyond that, guys. That's what the mission is here at Life in the Sun. And so, when we see that the islands, the reason what, what they were doing is that the islands were waiting for their instruction. They were waiting for their instruction from the humble servant because. It was not revealed to them who Messiah was yet. But what's the good thing? The good thing is we don't have to wait anymore. Nations and us, we don't have to wait anymore because it's already been revealed that Jesus is Messiah. Amen? We don't have to wait. So what I wanted to stress here is that he's coming soon for his bride. He's coming soon. I don't think we have 30, to 50, 60 more years, but that I think he's coming very soon. And with that, Just be ready, guys. Just know that we don't have to wait on the sidelines anymore to figure out who Messiah is. We already know that Messiah is King Jesus. He is the humble servant that is foretold in Isaiah, so don't wait any longer, guys. Don't wait any longer. And so, I'm going to be talking about patience. We're talking about the humble servant being patient. Are you patient? Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to give a three-year-old medicine, but we have been doing that this week. And um, I can tell you that my wife has a lot more patience in this area when it takes over 35 minutes for my dear Kayla to take a medicine that tastes like fruit juice. I don't understand it, and it makes no sense, but, but my patient strings were always like, Kayla, come on, please take this medicine. And so are we patient? And what about, what about this other example? You're driving a marine drive. They have one lane open. It's rush hour traffic. You got to use the bathroom, and oh, by the way, your gas light just came on, and oh, by the way, that car in front of you just cut in front of you without signaling. (laughs) What? Are we patient? Are you patient in these (laughs) earthly situations? What about when that coworker texts and says, I'm going to be late again, sorry, running late in the morning, do we have patience for that coworker? when there's like, sorry, I'm going to be late, and we're thinking in our head, dude, again? You're going to be late again? Like, come on, man. But are we patient? Are we patient? We see that the humble servant was patient. And these aren't even spiritual things, guys. These are like common everyday earthly things. And what about spiritual things? If we we're changing our mind, like to that, to that husband and wife who's been patiently waiting on God for the fruit of their womb to open so that they can conceive, or We're patiently waiting, that teenager, for their parents to just not be so busy so that they could spend time with them. These are the, the deeper things now. Are we patient? Do we have patience that was exhibited by Jesus, the Messiah? And so I bring up these wide range of situations because God is the ultimate example of a humble servant being patient. But how are we doing How are you doing, church? How are you doing? Are you patient? Patience, what is it? It's a fruit of the Spirit. And you're like, okay, well, what's a fruit of the Spirit? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) A fruit of the Spirit is, remember how we talked about earlier that the humble servant is Spirit-led? That means that the humble servant has God's Spirit in and on him. And so a byproduct of God's Spirit being in and on your life A fruit of the Spirit is that your life will start producing fruit, that you will have outward expressions of God living and breathing in you. If God's Spirit is on you and we're Spirit-led, then a fruit of the Spirit is just a byproduct of us living and being in Spirit-led. And so patience, yes, patience, is a fruit of the Spirit. And the opposite reaction is To being patient is some reactions like discouragement or being agitated or even worry. But be patient, church. Be patient. And when when I think about patience, I also think about endurance. Practice endurance. Practice endurance. I'm getting ready to bring this message to a close. If you're looking at your watch, don't look at it. But we're getting ready to bring this message to a close. For Michaela, if you could come up. um, We're going to bring this airplane in for a landing. And so... Uh, endurance, patience. Paul grasped that concept, right? Paul grasped that concept when he spoke about endurance. He spoke about running a life, running a race of endurance and not growing weary. And I want us to be patient. I want us to grasp this concept that committing ourselves to Jesus is a lifelong journey with him. It doesn't stop the moment that we put our trust and faith in Jesus. But this is a lifelong journey, not just for a certain circumstance in your life, not just that Jesus is getting you out of the valley, but this is a lifelong journey. This is a a daily, daily walk. And so if you're struggling in this area of endurance or if we're running out of gas, I'm encouraging you this morning to get gassed up, guys. Have endurance and have patience. And so when we think about this bringing justice to the nations, we saw that the humble servant was doing that over and over in Isaiah 42, that he came to bring justice to the nations. When we think about this, then I know, and I want you guys to know that this is bigger than you and I. This is bigger than our circumstance that we're in right now. Because bringing justice to the nations is about protecting the integrity of the gospel for the next generation. This is about protecting the integrity of the gospel for our children, for our neighbors. This is, about, this is about perpetuating who Jesus is, that he came to make wrong things right for generations to come. This is why it's bigger than us, and this is why it's bigger than our certain circumstance that we're in right now, guys. And so, does that make sense? That our lives, our mission, we're protecting the integrity of the gospel by being spirit-led. When we go out and we are living our lives in our workplace, in our marriages, in our homes, in our neighborhood, with our cousins and our family members, this is what we are to do. So don't settle, guys. Don't settle until justice has been established in every nation. Don't settle. Don't get comfortable in the church pews. Don't get comfortable in life group. See how we can take the gospel and protect its integrity. All right. Before we close, I wanted to read Matthew chapter 12, 15 to 21, one more time, so we could see how Jesus fulfills this prophecy that was foretold in Isaiah. We read Matthew 12, 15. It says. When Jesus became aware of this, he withdrew from there. Huge crowds followed him, and he healed them all. He warned them not to make his name known, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. And he will not argue or shout, and no one will hear his voice in the streets. But he will not break a bruised reed. He will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory. And the nations will put their hope in his name. And so we're getting ready to dismiss, but I want you guys to see that Jesus clearly fulfilled that prophecy. Clearly, Isaiah 42 is foretelling of Jesus here. We're getting ready to close, and if you guys could stand up, I'm also going to call the leaders the leaders of life in the sun, to come to the front. I'm opening the altar this morning, church. So if you're a leader, please make your way to the front. Church, know that we're opening the altar for you to receive prayer. But as a quick recap, we looked at Isaiah 42, and we saw that the humble servant was what? The humble servant, number one, was spirit-led. Number two, the humble servant was gentle. And number three, the humble servant was patient. The humble servant was patient. And so with that, we see that God's Spirit came down, and He makes His home in you and I, if you let Him. He makes His home in you and I, and that we are being Spirit-filled, not just so we have some kind of title like, yeah, look at me, I'm Spirit-filled, I'm so cool, I'm I'm Spirit-filled. No, that's not why we're Spirit-filled, but we're Spirit-filled to be on mission for Jesus, to protect the integrity of the gospel and take it. To the nations. That's why we're spirit-filled. And church, I want you to, to receive prayer today. If you are struggling with humility or, or service, you don't know where to serve, or if you're struggling with, with I don't even know if I have God's spirit in me, or if, uh, if you are struggling in the area of patience or being gentle to others, if, if you keep beating people down and beating people down and and you're like, man, I don't have a gentle spirit. I'm going to invite you here in a moment to receive prayer from our leaders. And, um, and I want us to know the other thing. If I've been talking about Jesus and I've been talking about protecting the integrity of the gospel, and you're like, Jarrett, I don't even know what the gospel is. Well, I'm glad you asked. The gospel is Jesus, God, coming down 2,000 years ago. From his heavenly throne in the form of a man. And he came and walked on earth. He lived a life that we could never live. And he died a death that was destined for us. Because sin separated us eternally from us and God. And the only way for us to bridge this gap. Was through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It needed a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was Jesus. He freely gave his life. In a life and a death that was destined for us. Although he died, what, three days later? This is the season we're in. We're in the season of Lent. We're in the season leading up to Resurrection Sunday. He rose again. He was resurrected, therefore proving that he is Messiah, proving that he is God, and proving that, yes, we can put our trust in this God-man. That's the gospel. He offers his life freely for us. What do we do? All we have to do is say, Jesus, Jesus, I put my faith, I put my hope, I put my trust, I put my life in your hands. I believe that you're God and you did these things that you say you did in the Bible. Forgive me. That's what the gospel is. And Jesus is freely offering that life for you and I. That's what the gospel is. And I'm inviting you, we're going to dismiss here in a moment, to receive eternal life, if you've never done that, or receive prayer to model your life after the humble servant. Make sense? All right, church, let's pray. Mighty God, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for who you said you were in Isaiah 42 and who you said you were in Matthew 12, that you were the humble servant. God, would you prepare our hearts right now? Spirit, we thank you that you left the 99 to get the one. And if there is anyone in this audience who's hearing this message right now, God, would you call them and prick their hearts to receive prayer? Jesus, we're asking that we would be a church that is spirit-led. Jesus, that we would be a church that is not kicking people while they're down, but we are cultivating leaders and disciples here in life in the sun who are going to love on people and encourage people and edify people. Jesus, we want to be the humble servant. Jesus, we want to be that example to a dying, hurting, and lost world. God, if we have wrong in our life where we are beating people down or we're smothering the wick, God, would you, um, would, you would you, just, re- we repent right now, and God, we just ask that you would lead us. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this message. Would we not just forget it in this moment, but that would we would reflect on it every day this week and throughout the rest of our lives of how you've called us to protect the integrity of the gospel and live on mission for you to take the gospel into the nations, God. Father, would you prepare us and would you go before us this week? We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Church, everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.